Hello and welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. I'm Tanya Morgan and on today's episode we're joined by Hamish Dixon who's the Principal Livestock Consultant with AgriPartner Consulting. Welcome Hamish, great to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Now you're based just out of Orange in New South Wales. What's been happening in your neck of the woods? How wet are things over there? We've had one of the wettest seasons I think probably in the history books at the moment. So yeah, for us probably a pretty disastrous drought that came through and mostly broken sort of early 2020. And since that, yeah, a couple of years of La Nina and we've had an incredibly wet season and this year's shaping up the same. It's not something you want to complain about ever, but it's certainly bringing a fair few challenges with the amount of water that we're getting. It's We're struggling to probably string together three days of sunshine at the moment before we get another sort of a bit of moisture coming through again. Yeah, even for us, I guess, on, on our farm, we've we've had all sorts of challenges. We've actually had a spring that's popped up in our sheep yards that uh, that's wow. never existed before. So that's been a new challenge to have to, to dig up and drain those sorts of things that have come up in, in these years. Yeah, different challenges, but... A positive thing overall, you certainly certainly don't want to be looking for the alternative, which is the dry times. Good to hear things are going well over your way. I guess we're going to jump from one extreme to another now. We're going to look at the low rainfall zone. And we've had you on the show before speaking about AWI-funded project, looking at improving sheep nutrition through assessment of regional crops and pastures in the low rainfall zone, trying to get a better idea of feed nutrition values on lower rainfall crops and pastures. And You've just put together the second year of results. The first year that we started sampling, we were looking at very low rainfall. I think we were decile one and two in some regions. And now we've also gone to an above average rainfall year. So we've got quite a difference in the years where we've been sampling. Yeah, it's been interesting. And I think even with the second year of sampling, whilst the seasonal conditions changed quite a lot, it was certainly that late break and as a result of that we actually weren't able to do our autumn sampling in this second year of testing. I guess to to go back a, a, a little step, the idea is that we can actually sample a whole range of these species every season. So in this second year we've effectively got winter, spring and summer samples collected across a whole range of different species for us to look at what the difference is in feed quality. This second year certainly I think with the late break and then obviously the continuing season and how that played out. Generally, we've seen quite a good hold in higher quality feed for a longer period of time, which is good. And it reflects certainly the season that was experienced. The differences start to come into play about really how that how that effect has actually played out across different species in the system. We've seen things like obviously lucerne that has got some more summer activity has actually held quality all through the season, whereas normally we would still expect some drop-off coming into potentially summertime with lower rainfall coming into play. So, for example, the loose are basically tested at 10 MA all the way through winter, spring and summer, whereas certainly we might expect those sorts of figures coming through winter and spring, and then we might expect to see that sort of fall down a little bit to maybe nine or even eight and a half. So those sorts of impacts have come into play a little bit. And then probably things like even aspects like some of the cereal where we would typically see protein, for example, come down as we come into spring and summer. You tend to see bigger decreases where we've got larger bulks, bulk matter of that sort of feed. And we've seen that come through in the test results. So I think as we start to pull together the year-on-year comparisons within the project, it'll be good to actually be able to really get those out clearly and see the, the comparison across those two quite different seasons. Yeah, you talked about growth before, how that has quite a big impact on the feed nutrition at the time. And I, I guess that's one thing to keep in mind when we're in the Mallee and we're 
think about such a highly variable environment that we're in. We don't always get a break at the same time of year every year and it can actually be quite quite broad in when we do get the break of the season. So we're quite often going to see things growing at different times of year. So I guess when we look at the data going forward, taking into consideration the growth stage and the feed nutrition of things is going to be really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the way that we've run, I guess, sampling as such, it's been aligned to season to a degree. But like you say, the actual really important part to bring out of it is the stage of growth of the plant, not necessarily what months we call sampling and how that, what month that was undertaken. More than anything, the quality of the pasture varies based on really whether it's in a really active young growth stage and there's lots of fresh leaf material there or if it's progressed all the way through to flowering or drying off and or all the way to being senescent. That's realistically what is actually driving those differences in quality, not what months we happen to call it. A really important part of looking at these trends in what we see from, I guess, something like what's our peak nutritive value of different species in the early growth phase compared to whether they decline is actually really mapping out how that aligns along the growth phase. Fortunately, as part of the project, there's actually quite a few photos that have been taken of all of those different species at sampling time as well that help put a lot of that into context so that you can actually say, okay, this is what that plant looked like at the time of sampling. And many of you will be able to put that in better context in a visual way like that. And another thing that we were really interested in when we came into putting this project together was looking at grazing legume crops. And the reason being that we love to have dual purpose options in the mallee just in case things go wrong in some years. So being able to graze legume crops and having that as a backup option definitely takes the risk out of growing those sorts of things. We also see that a lot more people are sowing legume crops to pasture just because they can get more production than your typical regenerative pasture type systems. So what do you think about grazing legume crops based on the results that you've seen? Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of these legumes have been a standout in terms of quality, especially through winter and spring, which is, I suppose, the timing when we'll start to have some sort of guidance about whether they are potentially going to be headed towards an opportunity for grazing. So I guess that's a couple of examples. So if we look at, I guess, canola as an example has been, I guess, fray crop that's been included in both years of this testing and through winter, it was certainly the highest energy quality of any of the samples that we collected. And that was consistent in year one of the project as well, where it tested very high quality feed. And that's consistent with canola testing outside of the Mallee as well. It's certainly got opportunity. And then other, I guess, going back to legumes such as peas and even vetch, we see certainly in high energy, we see high protein of those species coming through. One of the, one of the interesting aspects of those is probably looking at how they decline in quality as they come into summer. I think one interesting point that that will be, I guess, quite good to sort of draw out in, in the reporting and some of the extension workshops and things that are involved in this project down the track is how drastically some of those decline in quality. And we probably see bigger declines in quality out of some of those legumes as we come into summer compared to cereals. So potentially that means that yes, they have a really big opportunity, but maybe the tactic is we actually need to identify that quickly and really utilize that feed as soon as possible rather than actually letting that go right through. So there's probably a little bit of nuance in there that's actually important to dig out and understand so that if there is something like a like a pea crop that needs to be potentially grazed, there's some factors about what types of peas are used and how that's plays out, but certainly we're going to get a graze off of peas or a vetch or a, even something like a canola. The timing can be really important. So the upside is there and the opportunity is there, but there's probably some aspects that are important to cover off in terms of the management and how we graze them too. 
So another key aim of this project was to have a really useful data set for low rainfall farmers that are participating in lifetime ewe workshops. So now that you've seen the data, I know you haven't had a really deep dive into the things that you've looked at. It's just been a bit of a quick overview of what you put together. But how do the trends of feed nutrition compare to what we see in a high rainfall zone? I think this testing has probably been really useful in that it's picking up probably the slight differences that do come through in a lower rainfall zone like the Mallee. So aspects like if we would typically be looking at, say, protein content of a cereal coming through winter and spring, I think we tend to see that protein in particular is one aspect that will be lower in these sorts of environments. So it's still certainly good quality. And if we take, say, our barley samples in the winter, they're at about 20% protein. So certainly high quality and high protein content, but you would quite often see in a high rainfall zone that that might be 25 or even 30% protein. So probably a fair component of that relates back to nitrogen application at, at sowing or urea top-ups or more of an agronomic impact there. But the reality is that the protein content in that scenario is lower and that's, that's one aspect to be conscious of. And those sorts of trends and slight differences exist either through other components like looking at energy in some of the species or probably the other big part is actually getting some good testing undertaken on species that tend to exist in these lower rainfall environments or say veldgrass. The reality is there's not a heck of a lot of veldgrass that's put in, into high rainfall environment pastures, whereas here we've got the testing that's been included in that. So we now have, I guess, an additional data set on that as an example to be able to bring into lifetime new management courses and to be able to provide a resource in really working through calculations and all the decision-making processes that are involved in lifetime year. Yeah, it's fantastic that we're going to have these resources available for low rainfall farmers very soon. We look forward to working with you over the next couple of months to roll these workshops out and we'll keep people posted on where they can get more information. Thank you very much for joining us today on the MSF Farm Talk podcast. We'll be bringing more of this very soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later.